Nothing's going your way, you've had a bad day, it's good to keep it simple. Michelle and Seth say take a deep breath from fade to gray, it's mental. Welcome back, everybody. You are sitting here with Seth and Michelle hey for there. another episode of Mental. We are back today to uh, continue in our series on body dysmorphia, and we are hitting a new comorbid related disorder today. What are we calling it, Seth? What are we? Doing? Well, it's not one disorder. We're going to talk no. about a group of disorders, right? Um, otherwise right. known as eating disorders. See, and most people, of course, I think maybe it's just me. I don't know, but most people are very much they understand eating disorders from the perspective of like anorexia or bulimia. Correct. But there are quite a few others, so we're going to get into that. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about some of the interactions, the you know, the different symptoms, the different signs, those kinds of things. But how are you doing, Seth? Oh, mental minute that quick. (laughs) First, I want to just harp on one Unless thing. Unless you have something else to say. I want to harp on one thing. You about Uh-oh. said our final episode of the Body Dysmorphia series and you caught yourself. <laughs> it's because we don't have a topic picked out yet. So <laughs> I'm assuming that's why. Uh, but this is Actually, not no, the Actually, no. I'm end. just kind of brain dead. That's, that's why. Wait a second. Is it the end? Of, hold up. What? No, next week is. Next week is. Right. Because there were five weekends this month for us to share on this subject matter. So It's interesting how I remember that when I talk about my paychecks, but I don't remember that when I talk about the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Priorities. Right. But it is nice. This month, I'm getting three paychecks instead of two. That's very nice. Yeah, that happens twice a year. That's always exciting when that happens. I'm pretty stoked about it. Yeah. I, I, of course, work for me, so that never happens, but, you know. Well. (laughs) <laughs> you made that decision. so You're right. <laughs> so today, uh, mm-hmm. I haven't had a class at work this week. So a lot of what I've been doing is content development and working on a big rollout we have coming up. I vented about a little bit of that in the last episode. Right. I remember. But my boss messaged me last night at like 8 o'clock and was like, Hey, I since you have an abundance of time, I might just have you teach a non-licensed individual um, on our case management programs. And so I jumped on the computer at eight o'clock last night, started looking <laughs> up the agenda, had everything, and then was sending her emails. And she emailed me back. Little and she overachiever. Said, she said, Seth, log off. <laughs> you got busted. You can't respond to this in the morning. <laughs> I, went, okay. I just wanted to get on here and check. But I went into work today. And when I say went into work i mean i just walked into my office you logged in where i currently am sitting (laughs) and i started to finish off this training uh train the trainer class and that i just needed to take on like grievances and things across different departments because california is so complicated with healthcare. everything else in the company operates one way except for health plans and eaps that are in california and so we have to train on all of this stuff and it's actually a bit um, may I just say complicated? It's not easy to understand right away. Right. So we're doing an extra class for it. And after I finished that, I messaged my boss and I was like, you know, 
I still have. I've, I still, I've already scheduled out the entire week of Thanksgiving and the entire week of Christmas off for PTO. And I still have 56 hours. So I was like... Have you not been using it all along? No, or? I never oh. use my PTO <laughs> until the very end. And so I just messaged her and I was like, hey, why don't I just why don't I just take today and tomorrow off? And she's like, yeah, we'll just have you do a two-day training of case management rather than a four-day. And I went, hey, there you go. I, I can roll with that. So I took today and tomorrow off. So I have a four-day weekend. I'm looking at looking forward I'm to jealous. I know I'm I am need I have needed it. Like I don't ever take PTO and I don't have any plans. My plans is literally just to lay around and watch Netflix. Like that's, that's okay. Uh, that's it. But personally I'm, that sounds perfect to me. I- yeah. I'm loving every second of it. In fact, I almost took a nap, but decided against it because I was nervous that I was going to miss this interview. I mean, not interview, <laughs> this discussion. This discussion. Because And you were if, afraid I'd yell at you. That's what it was. Well, yeah. But then again, Michelle, <laughs> every meeting we've ever had, you typically are 15 to 30 minutes late. And today right. was 45 to an hour. So I was I can't, hungry, Seth. Well, you know. I was hungry. It's a lot of people are eat. hungry. There's a lot of hungry people in the world. <laughs> it does not mean that they show up late to podcast uh, schedule. I'm sorry. Does it bother you events. that I show up late? No, to I'm just. Things? I'm just trying to segue this over to you. Because I roll with the flow, and sometimes the flow takes longer than normal. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just trying to segue this into you. I because see. I don't. Well, now have I'm going to be all self-conscious. By the uh, way, thank you very well, much. Well, that's ridiculous because you know not to be self-conscious around me. You should know that by now. How long have we been know. doing you've, this show? I don't know. You've yelled at me a few times during the course of this show. So have I? I saw that look on your face. That was pretty good. Have I? Do we need to talk you know about you this? No, you have. You've apologized to me a let's, couple times. Yeah, so let's talk about it. Oh, for now, goodness sake. Well, here we are. Because I, because I am on a vacation right now of sorts. And I so see. I don't care to have those conversations, Michelle. Tell me your true <laughs> feelings. About? I mean, apparently I've yelled at you. Are you, are you doing okay? You're the one that said that, not me. <laughs> you literally have brought it up. Like, I was rude to you there. And I didn't realize it until I listened back. I'm the one that said, I don't care. I'm fine. You're the one that brought it up. Yeah, I just have to edit all our stuff. And then sometimes I psychoanalyze <laughs> what I say. And then I'm like, oh, that was really rude. Like, I just a couple episodes ago, we had a spot in there where I said something that I think was truly offensive. And your <laughs> facial expression, granted, it wasn't horrible on audio, but you were like, <laughs> I'm you a just said... So. You just said what to me? How <laughs> rude of you. I cannot okay. believe you just said but, that. But and, let's be fair. I'm sitting here right now and I have no idea what remark you're talking about. So I don't hold on to shit. Well, thank the Lord. Thank <laughs> the Lord. And it might have been you just shocked me. That might have been it. No, I think what I said was really offensive. Oh, actually, I do remember what you said. Ah, uh, there it is. I do remember. Mm-hmm. I called yeah. you out on making the show all about you and yep, your problems. You did. That's right. <laughs> Which is super ironic, <laughs> considering that is exactly what I do. Oh, my gosh. All right. So we're two peas in a pod. Oh, you know what? So tell me about your week. <laughs> How are you doing? My week is the same stuff it always is. I mean, I, I, I do the same things every day. And you already know what they are. I, 
Yeah. I live at the gym. So, and it's and become much more intense the last few days. So the last week. Have there been any like surprising dividends from going to the gym so frequently? What do you mean? Like, do people pay more attention to you? Do oh. they comment on your stuff? <laughs> do they send you Okay, things? now, see, you're bringing up shit you know outside of this. <laughs> that's messed up. You said you don't have anything to talk about. You said it's my same old, same I, old. I like, that's something. don't know that we need to talk about me being hit on by 22-year-olds. I so. mean, <laughs> I always consider that a compliment. Oh, it's a compliment. Hands down, it's a compliment. I, I see it that way as well. It just always surprises me. And it makes me kind of wonder. And yeah, he was a uh, he was pretty forward and not at all concerned that I was married. <laughs> and like two and a half times his age. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. But he did. But I, it, it's so funny because it ended up almost being a therapy session for a little while because I asked that question. I'm like, so I'm just curious. I, I hear from a lot of guys that are much younger than me. What is the draw? I don't understand. Like. I always ask this question because it, it, it kind of confuses me and almost Why, to a person. So, so, and just to clarify here for our yeah. listeners, we're yeah. talking about younger men hitting much younger on men. Yes. much older women, maybe Correct. double their age. Yeah. And like I said, I was more than two and a half times older than him. Yeah. I, and because I'm pretty honest, I'll, I'll say, sweetie, I'm too, I'm too old for you. And, and almost to a person, none of them care. And when I ask why or what is the, the attraction or the draw, I can't remember any other answer being given other than I like that an older woman knows what she wants. And I'm like, that's a big assumption. Like to, to label all older women as knowing what they want. Cause I don't know that that's true. Well, they've uh, had I, I guess maybe it's a good assumption, but they've had a lot well, of experience. Maybe. That's not guaranteed either. Anyway, I just find it very interesting. So I asked that question. And of course, we got into a whole conversation over that. And and then he shared with me that he was actually attracted to some woman in his gym, an older woman in his gym, and, and wanted my opinion or my advice on what he should say to her to express this this attraction. And here's what is funny. Up until that moment, he had been very full of bravado. He had been very full of confidence and all that. And as soon as he started talking about that, you kind of heard, I heard the shift. I heard the change. And so I asked him, I said, well, what happened to all the confidence you just had? Where did that all go? And he's like, oh, it's there. It's there face to face. And he puffs back up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, no, I don't think it is. And so what's the difference? Is it easier when you are behind a keyboard or something like that? Oh, and he, and he's sure. like, no, no, I'm great at face to face. But the gym is different. And I said, why is the gym different? It's still face to face. So we ended up having this whole conversation. But it was, so it was very interesting. So I ended up psychoanalyzing this kid and <laughs> having a little pretend therapy session. And I think Good he practice. caught on after a while. Yeah. Well, he caught on after a while because he redirected the conversation. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that that's been my week. I got and my husband was unhappy to hear that I'd been hit on by a twenty-two-year-old. <laughs> so I think I think that your husband could probably destroy a twenty-two-year-old. More than likely, but yeah. it doesn't mean that he was very happy about hearing it. So, well. but you know, I told him I said, "Hey, are you not the one that told me I needed to be more self-confident?" That that. That makes me feel nice when people compliment me. I'm sorry. I'm a human being. I mean, he's so. married to a bodybuilder. He has yeah. to expect some of this. I'm I sure. mean, it's legitimate. He just never says anything. So, 
And every now and then I just like to tell him just to see what reaction I'll get. Just for shits and giggles. Yeah. <laughs> He's so blasé about it, though. So it's usually me feeling like, well, shit, I guess he didn't care. <laughs> every now and then he'll throw in a compliment, you know, or a comment that makes me think, oh, okay, that bothered him. But that's few and far between. Anyway, we're way off topic. <laughs> We are. <laughs> but that's my week so far. That's happened a lot this week. Not, not have, that same person, but. I have one more question for you before okay. we jump into the actual subject matter, which is a very serious conversation, but we're kind of. Yes, it is. We're opening this up with some humor and some fun, and I think it's important. <laughs> but when does your book come out? Uh, the last thing I was told by the publisher is late November, early December. So I don't have an exact date yet, but we okay. should be getting that. I have a meeting with him on something else next Wednesday. So I'm going to ask then if I can get a more definitive date. I have, however, and as you already know this, set up pretty much kind of a marketing group on Facebook in which I've invited people to read the book, commit to buying it on opening day or on release day and providing reviews on it. So and I've had pretty good response on that so far, which I will do again. And continue to fill out that group. But that has been a really successful marketing ploy or scheme or whatever you want to call it for other people I know that are authors. So I thought I'd give it a shot. But yeah, coming up soon. I still need a subtitle. I have a subtitle. So what's the title? Into the Gray. See, you knew that. I've told you that before. We've had a discussion about that. Into the Gray, a person's stages of grief through deconstruction. I would say yes, except it it grew lengthy. beyond the subject of grief and included a lot of other a lot of other stuff. Yeah, so. but you really talk about the stages of grief and compare it to deconstruction. Yeah, right. That's true. Isn't that's that true. like the, kind of the core of the book? Yeah, At least that's what I, I wanted something. Yes, I kind of wanted something along the lines of dealing with metamorphosis as well, because that's illustrated throughout the book. Mm-hmm. The metamorphosis of a caterpillar. So. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I asked him. I told I told the publisher I still needed kind of help help with that. And I have actually it took me a long time to do it. I actually contacted a lot of people and asked for them to endorse and they all have agreed and so I sent it out actually finally. Got it to a bunch of people. So we'll see what they all say. So far uh, I've only heard back from one person and she was very very complimentary. So That's good. I'm we'll happy to see. hear that. That that sounds great. Um, I'm very, very excited about your book release. And as we get closer to that, I'm going to want to talk about it more and more. Okay. But I wanted just to touch on that. But let's go ahead and let's jump into this this episode on eating disorders. What do you think about eating disorders, Michelle? Well, I think we're going to go back first, though, and remind everybody that we're talking about body dysmorphia and the way in which people tend to view themselves. Mm Mm-hmm. The flaws that they see that maybe are there very minimally or are not there at all, but yet they still tend to see. And you and I had a whole conversation about the fact that while eating disorders is a separate thing, they kind of go together because I don't know that you can have the actual action of an eating disorder without having possibly the symptoms or be somewhere on the spectrum of body dysmorphia. There has to be something about you that you're not liking and that you're trying to change in order for you to actually delve into the experience of an eating disorder. And I think I said that to you the other day. I don't think anybody just wakes up and goes, hey, I'm going to adopt an eating disorder today. It's something that kind of happens over time. Right. And most people probably don't see it as a problem. I would say that body dysmorphia is truly centered on appearance. 
right? right? And there right. are eating disorders that aren't related necessarily to appearance. Yes. Um, however, the primary diagnoses, uh, anorexia, uh, bulimia, those diagnoses typically I would, I would venture to say are typically rooted in some type of self-image issue or yeah. trauma. It, it comes down to control. But there are right. there are diagnoses outside of that uh, that I think you could have theoretically without having body dysmorphia. But it is a great thing to reference as we start talking mm -hmm. about these bigger diagnoses because I think it is at the root of a lot of right. what people struggle with. Well, and of course, that's why it's considered comorbid if you're discussing the diagnostic mm -hmm. manual. That's why it's listed there as comorbid because there is some association or crossover Correct. between Correct. the two disorders. So yes. again, for those of you that didn't know what comorbid, comorbid meant, that's what it is. <laughs> There's association or crossover between the disorders. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I don't know. Let's so just some generalized facts on eating disorders. First of all, they are actually a serious mental illness. I think we have a tendency to kind of push those things away as not as important, you know, as some of the bigger ideas we may have about mental health. But this is a serious mental health issue. Mm -hmm. And it's not just about women. While I will say primarily, and I think you had the stats on that, uh, the, the people that suffer the most from eating disorders, what was that? So it affects millions of people at any given time. And it is most frequently... Uh, impacting women between the ages of 12 and 35. But right. that's not to say that they're the only ones or anything right. like that. We're just talking the major demographic that is affected. Just like right. suicide affects a lot of people, but like mm -hmm. LG, the LGBT community is it's like one in five. You know, it, right. the numbers are very high. Mm -hmm. That's not to say you have to be gay to be suicidal. Exactly. This can happen to anyone, really. Right. And so the same thing here. It's not just a woman's disorder. Men, of course, can su uh, suffer from eating disorders as well. As you mentioned, I don't think it's as prevalent. However, I also think it probably has a greater propensity to be overlooked because of that. I think looking at it, most people would not take it as seriously. I would mm. think if it were a man that was suggested to have been having an eating disorder, they would discount it and say, oh, that's probably not an eating disorder because it's a man. But that's not true. Well, it depends on what I, I would need to see a case study. I would need to see the symptoms. No, no, what I'm saying is just in general, in people's minds, if they were confronted with a man who, let's say, was overly thin, most people eating disorder would not come to their mind, is all I'm saying, because it's a man. Mm. Whereas it'd be much more prevalently thought of if it were a woman, because that is the demographic. Yes, I yes, so I can see that. I'm making. Well, I can see that with women for mm -hmm. sure, given that it is the primary, you know, demographic. However, I I've seen a lot of very skinny men and thought, yeah, yeah, it feels as if they might be anorexic. I mean, okay, that, that's a different perspective, though. I mean, that's not a common perspective, right? I suppose so. If we're talking societal norms, right. as you're pointing out here. Yes, I would agree that typically they're going to attribute it for men to something else rather than immediately jumping to eating disorder. Right. However, I, I encourage people not to just go around diagnosing people. That's something I just yeah, want to touch probably on. probably should be avoided. I, 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 I just want to also <laughs> point that out, like, because I don't really want you seeing me someday and being like, oh my right. gosh. Do you see how much weight he's lost? I bet he has yeah. anorexia. Like, yeah. I don't want, that's not. 
Well, just in general, that should never happen. I mean, right. I, I can't even count the number of times in, in the social media land where I've noticed somebody, you know, claiming somebody's narcissistic. And I'm like, that's a pretty specific diagnosis. I don't know that we should just automatically assume that they're narcissistic. <laughs> you just may be seeing some traits that lead you to believe that, but it's not, you don't know, you're not, you're not diagnosing that person. And even if you are a mental health professional and observing somebody's behavior, right. you're not it's not up to you to diagnose that behavior because you're not treating that person. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of responsibility that goes along with that stuff. So it's easy to make those assumptions and we shouldn't mm-hmm. um, in, in all honesty. And I also want to just throw out that when we look at this grouping, uh, according to the DSM of eating disorders, this mm-hmm. is typically something that's not, it's typically done in secret. Yes. Right. So it's hidden. It's not something that you're just going to see someone and immediately know. I mean, you could see someone who's really, really skinny and they could have a serious autoimmune disorder. You don't don't know shit. So Mm -hmm. let's not immediately just as we kind of go through this and talk about some of the signs and symptoms of these specific eating disorders to recognize that we don't want to make vast judgments of people, but that we're looking at major traits we're going to look right. at you know high level perspective and and not to pinpoint that at anyone specific right exactly i i think we have to keep in mind that what we're discussing is actually very serious and and in mm-hmm. many cases can be life-threatening oh absolutely it can i i knew a lady quite a few years ago and of course i don't know that she had a disorder an eating disorder although i will say i believe she did tell me that she did suffer from bulimia at some point in her life and based of course you know, on what I was seeing from her, I really felt like she might've been suffering from that again. And yeah, it was, she, she actually died. And I think that Mm -hmm. I I never was told why, but I have a feeling it was because of, of that. I mean, she was not well Mm -hmm. and it was very obvious. So it's, it's deeply disappointing to find out that somebody has risked their life, but at the same time, it's a mental disorder. So it's, it's not much different in that aspect than, say, suicide. I mean, it's still risk behavior. Yes, it is risk so, behavior. Mm-hmm. That's what a person, depending on the severity, the intensity, and the duration, these eating disorders can truly put your body in complete yeah. chaos and can kill you. One yeah. of the things that I used to do and I train people on now is utilization management from the insurance side and like the things that we go through, like the information that we obtain when we mm-hmm. look at hospitalizing someone inpatient for an eating disorder, I mean, we're pulling all of their vitals. You know, right. we're looking at their BMI, we're looking at all of those different components because this type of stuff can legitimately throw your body in such haywire yes. that it can, you can die. It, it yes. is a serious threat. And so let's talk about, because in body dysmorphia, in, in, in that topic, you know, we really were looking at appearance. Right. And, and we even kind of brought in low self-esteem and we brought in low self-confidence and those types of things. It can, as we mentioned, lean and, and kind of just transition over into a more severe diagnosis. I would say that someone may be dealing with body dysmorphia as it gets worse it can then transition into an eating disorder. Right. And and specifically, if we look at the diagnoses of anorexia and bulimia, 
these individuals tend to be perfectionists <laughs> who yeah. have low self-esteem and are extremely crit- critical of themselves and their bodies, which is right in line with body dysmorphia. So, Yeah, and part of my life. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> Some of these things I read, some of the signs and uh, signs and symptoms of, of eating disorders, and I was like, "Oh, holy shit!" <laughs> yeah, I just be very, be very nice to yourself in this process I'm because if you are not nice to yourself, you may just yell at yourself and tell you to shut up and how dare you be so rude. So just you got to put up that boundary and keep it there. Uh, I'll just count on you for that. Then. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to read you this list I have of signs okay. and symptoms. <laughs> of, of, was, of eating disorders in general or one specifically? Orthorexia. I don't. You, ha- you have a confused look on your face. <laughs> is that from the DSM? No. I don't but think I so. Wanna, I, no, it isn't. But I wanted to. Oh, shoot. Where did my definition of it go? Oh, I, shoot. I, I can't help you there. Well, anyway, here's the signs and symptoms of it. Spending an excessive amount of time planning meals. Following an increasingly restrictive diet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> eliminating entire categories of food from your diet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> linking self-esteem with adherence to the diet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and hiding or concealing food from other people. Mm-hmm. I do all that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Now, I want to explain that last one. <laughs> Hiding or concealing food. If I choose to eat something that I know I shouldn't because it's outside of my macros, I already know I'm going to feel badly about it. I don't want anybody else giving me shit for it. So I typically will not let anybody else know that I've done it. <laughs> Even my husband. <laughs> like, I'll just go eat it somewhere by myself just to feel happy for a few minutes. And then I can berate myself for it afterwards. <laughs> That's normally when I receive a polo from Michelle. Not exactly, Sab. I did this. No. I have never sent you a polo about my eating, have I? I don't think I so. I don't think so. But anyway, uh, but let's go to the actual, let's go to the DSM because that's, of course, our diagnostic manual. So let's let's talk about the eating disorders from that perspective. And let's start with the one that you were surprised by yesterday when we were discussing Well, I mean, this. I wasn't surprised by, I. well, I guess, yes, I was. So, or miscategorized. I miscategorized. So, right there, according to the DSM, the first one that I have in my DSM is PICA. And right. PICA is the persistent eating of non-nutritive, non-food substances over a period of at least one month. And so this is, I mean, I think you typically see this more with children. But right. what do you think of this? Because I think you actually have a story that goes along with this. I Well, I... I assume it falls within the the parameters of this disorder. Only I did not know that at the time. My youngest son, who of course now is 27 years old, Mm -hmm. when he was very, very small, he was two or three, actually he was two, he was very ill and um, was losing weight drastically. He looked like a child that was the victim of starving to death, honestly, because his stomach was very big and distended, Mm -hmm. and yet his arms and legs were super, super little. And so, of course, we were having him seen by doctors. Nobody could figure out what was going on. But one of the things, one of the things that he kept doing, and we didn't know if it belonged in the category with this or not, but he would eat the, the weirdest things. He would eat stucco. He would eat rocks. He would eat dirt. 
crayons. I mean, and I mean, all kids probably try and eat crayons because they're colorful and they look like candy, but certainly not stucco or rocks or whatever. Well, now, of course, as he's older and while he was a teenager, he was diagnosed as celiac. Mm -hmm. And part of the problem with celiac is, of course, it's an autoimmune disorder in which the uh, presence of gluten in your system actually creates an autoimmune response. Your body creates these white blood cells and it attacks itself. And typically it does that in the lining of the intestines. And so it basically destroys the cilia on the lining of your intestines, which are those little hair-like fragment things that actually pull in the nutrients. If it destroys those, your body cannot absorb nutrients. So in reality, when he was very small, more than likely he was actually starving because all the food he was eating was just passing. Mm -hmm. it, he wasn't getting any nutritional benefit from it. And so I think he was actually trying to find nutritional benefit instinctively. Mm -hmm. So he's looking at, at rocks and dirt and things like that where he could find minerals and stuff. So I think that falls within this category. It's non-nutritive, non-food substances. It so does. I would think it fits. It does fit. Um, yeah. Now, I... I'm going to mention something and I am no in no way creating a comparison to your child because we see this, <laughs> this happens with children. Um, but mm -hmm. we also see this with individuals who have intellectual disabilities as well as yes. those who fall on the autism spectrum, just uh, who fall on the autism spectrum. Right. More, more frequently, I would say. Mm -hmm. And normally it's due to a lack of knowledge. Just right. like if you think about it, uh, your son being a kid, like he's hungry, he yeah. needs to eat, he's looking for food. He was trying to, he was trying right. to become full. Right. He was eating the wrong thing. Yeah, and I think it, it, like I said, it was instinctual. I think he was trying to find the nutrients that he needed that his body was definitely missing because when he was diagnosed, he was incredibly anemic mm -hmm. to the point where they thought he was bleeding internally. And that's why they ended up doing biopsies of his intestines. And that's how they found it. They have different, they have different tests now for celiac, but that was how he was diagnosed. And so, yeah, I think it was, it was an instinctual need to try and find something that was beneficial to his body. Mm -hmm. And of course we were feeding him. I mean, we fed him constantly, but everything just went right through him and, and he was not healthy. It was terribly frightening. So in that case, I also, if I remember correctly, I, reading about pica at one point, I want to say there's also, and I don't know if it's the same situation, I I read somewhere about pregnant women eating things that is abnormal, chalk and charcoal hmm. and things like that. And I would think that would falls falls into this too. And I'm wondering if that is specifically to, uh, specific to them trying to find some nutrient too without knowing that's what they're doing. Uh, chewing ice apparently actually falls into uh, somewhat of a loose definition. It's water. It yeah. And water keeps but our bodies is, well, alive. Well, and so maybe it is something different because I think it's more about the crunching of the ice that that's okay. some kind of disorder. But I've heard that associated with pica before as well. Really? So I don't know. I've never. Yeah, heard I'm, that's that. just off the cuff. I just something that struck me. I remembered hearing. But anyway, it's it sounds very strange. I've, I'm really to eat things that have no no nutri uh, nutritive value. I'm really interested on this pregnant women eating chalk thing. When did that become something? Is, is this um, I heard this fad? years and years ago. Yeah, it's, I heard this years and years ago. Of course, okay. back when I was having kids. So, so who knows? Folklore, possibly. So something to kind of throw in here. Now, I'm not mm -hmm. suggesting that eating chalk is a cultural practice. However, <laughs> uh, do note that this disorder, in order to be diagnosed with this, your behavior cannot it, it cannot be related to a culturally supported right, or right. 
socially normative practice. Right. It, it, it has, you know what I'm saying? And that's why I'm like, where is that coming from? Because I've never heard that. I honestly don't remember. I probably shouldn't have mentioned it because honestly, it's been a while and it was just something that popped into my head that I remembered seeing at some point. So, but yeah, it's not culturally supported. This is specific to not being culturally supported. So, you know, just out of nowhere, eating rocks is probably probably not, not a, a cultural phenomenon. No, no that's more <laughs> child behavior yeah. or intellectual yeah. disability. Right. Yeah. But again, yeah. child doesn't know, right? Like, <laughs> exactly. It happens. Of course, neither did his parents, apparently. So. <laughs> and I'll, I'll note on this because I, I got some disorders when we were prepped prepping for this i got a disorder mm-hmm. wrong um because Uh-oh. when i heard pica the first thing i thought of was hair eating mm. but and then i realized i was talking about trichotillomania the trichotillomania is about hair pulling not about hair eating so technically i think i was right in that mm-hmm. i think hair eating would fall in the category of pica but if you're also pulling your hair then it would be trichotillomania I see. Mm-hmm. Well, and I did come back and find the definition of orthorexia, by the way. Well, let's hear it, because um, I've never heard of that. <laughs> it's called orthorexia nervosa. It's an eating disorder characterized by having an unsafe obsession with healthy food. So you're only consuming pure foods or clean eating to the point that uh, – to the deeply rooted in the individual's way of thinking to the point that it interferes with their daily life. So, Yeah. <laughs> There was that. <laughs> so you found yourself in the DSM. I found myself. There's also another one called me- megarexia, which I was not familiar with. Yeah. These are not in the DSM, by the way. No, so they're I not. Don't... But these are these are offshoots of specific eating disorders, though. Yeah. So who knows? It may end up in the DSM. It may, but there would need to be. But a this lot one I thought was interesting. It's it's basically reverse anorexia. So it's a delusional or exaggerated belief that one. It, that one's own body is too small or too skinny. So you're doing the opposite. You're trying to put on as much weight as possible, which of course is, can be unhealthy as well. Oh yeah. So, I mean, we've seen that. Happen. Anyway, these are offshoots. You're right. They're not in the DSM, but I'll I mean, be interested to see if that changes, but I will too, but they're in order for it to <laughs> enter the DSM there. First of all, the DSM doesn't come out every year, right? We only no. have five of them and there has yes. to be, <laughs> so much research to back right. all of that stuff up so yeah maybe those are do- those are things that are being looked at right now mm-hmm. um i do think that the eating you know the opposite of anorexia would definitely probably cat i would think so within this, yeah, this i would area. think so now in regards but- to the healthy food thing that might be more in the ocd category than the See, I thought disorder. so too. I thought that really sounded OCD. I do too. Um, but again, lots of things cross over like we've already they discussed. Do. So, do. But that's that's where yeah. I would put that. But anyhow. Let's yeah. talk about some others that are actually Let's in talk the about DSM. This one I cringed at to be honestly, to be honest, uh, rumination disorder. Mm-hmm. You didn't I of course didn't recognize it at first. Mm-hmm. And so I did some reading and it is the repeated regurgitation of food over a period of at least 1 month. Mm-hmm. Like literally, you're rechewing and re-swallowing and spitting out food. Yeah, I, it's, uh, mm. you know, I birds know. That do one that. Made me- birds do that for their yeah, young. Yeah, birds. <laughs> well, they do that to feed their young, to feed their baby birds. the The parent will chew up and spit the food into the mouth of the child or the of the baby bird. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm so glad we don't have to feed our children that way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I would agree. Uh, now, but I, I thought that was an interesting one. So I will note, though, that if, if this behavior is happening and it also meets the criteria for other diagnoses like anorexia, right. bulimia, binge eating, or avoidant or restrictive food intake disorder, that those disorders would actually take precedence over right, this. Right, exactly. Um, so this yeah. is a... It's it is a diagnosis in and of itself and can be diagnosed independently, but it's t- it it is often associated alongside a more serious eating disorder. Right, right. I just found it interesting. I and I was not pleased when I read it. I was like, oh my gosh! But yeah. All right. So talk about a few of those others there you okay. just mentioned. So we're gonna, those, are, look, those are our other ones. It sounds like we're waiting for the big ones till the end. So I'll bring up. <laughs> From what I can see. So let's let's talk okay. about avoidant or restrictive food intake disorder. I feel like this is pretty self-explanatory. Seems like it, yeah. Um, but this is a feeding or eating disturbance as manifested by a persistent failure to meet appropriate nutritional and or energy needs associated with one or more of the following. Significant weight loss, significant nu- nutritional deficiency, dependence on in- enteral Ent- feeding... Or oral what does nutrition. That mean? I don't even know. I'm, 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 I'm assuming. Interval ha- feeding. Oh, on an interim, maybe. No, that no, would be I'm different. Thinking, I would think. I'm thinking have it like a tube. Oh, okay. That's yeah. What I'm thinking that I, makes sense. Could be wrong. That makes sense. Marked interference with psychosocial functioning. There's just a lot of there's a lot of things here. So yeah, there's a lot that goes into this. But yeah, well, basically, you're you're avoiding or restricting certain kinds of food is basically right. what you're doing. Right. So uh, maybe what I mentioned a little bit ago, the uh, what was that one I said? Where is it? The orthorexia. Maybe that would be it because that's a dependency on eating only clean food. So you're avoiding anything that does not fit your definition of clean, which would be subjective, I would think. Right. But so that's more of an avoidant, restrictive mm-hmm. spectrum, I would think. And again, so, just like rumination disorder, this will often take a back seat to another more serious right. eating disorder like anorexia. Right. Because I think if you are anore- if you are struggling with anorexia, you're going to present with food restricting behaviors typically. Well, yeah, and that's extreme so, of food food avoidance. Right. So it's yeah. So let's let's start talking about some of these bigger these some of these yeah. more more well-known eating disorder diagnoses. Go ahead. Well, and I think they're mo- they're bigger, if you will, or more well-known simply because, as we've already pointed out, some of these others are are their own disordered definition. However, if there's certain things present in that, it falls back to these main ones. Correct. So that's why these become the most well-known, the biggest diagnosis, I would assume. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's talk about anorexia nervosa. Of course, most people don't say that. They just say anorexia normally. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's anorexia nervosa the is actual, the diagnosis. The actual name. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So tell us about it. Well, it is a restriction of of intake relative. Okay. So you stop eating. I mean, it's right. <laughs> just to, yeah. to lay it out for what it is, you're not eating. Right. And typically this leads to significantly low body weight. For your age, your sex, your developmental trajectory, and physical health. Also within this, so not only are you restricting food and you're not eating at all, but there's this intense fear 
of gaining right. weight even though you're at a significantly low weight uh, already. Yeah. So as we talked right. about with body dysmorphia, it is focused on appearance, but it this it elevates when you actually stop eating, right? Like right. you have the body dysmorphia, you have that fear of gaining weight, you have that fear of not looking attractive and all of those different things. And then if, if you take that to the next level and you start doing something about it where you are no longer eating, right. you're going to fall into the anorexic uh, yeah. category. And and I think there may be some confusion for people with this mm-hmm. as far as how it differs from bulimia, per se. The the difference oh. being here, of course, there's an avoidance of eating with this. Yes. And when one is forced to eat, then they will purge in order to not allow that food into their system. But purging is not necessarily something they want to do. They they prefer to avoid. And And going back to the body dysmorphia... People that, you know, situations I've come across where this has been a subject matter, most of those people, even when they're confronted in, you know, in treatment or therapy with the truth of how they actually look, they are unable to see it. They are unable yes. to see that perspective. So again, going back to the body dysmorphia, the idea that you're, you, you can't understand or see yourself the way other people are seeing you. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, this is, as you said, the, phys- the physical manifestation of that basically and incredibly, incredibly damaging. Yes. Um, to your physical body. Yes. And as we said, this can be life threatening. One of those reasons is this has a very dire effect on your, on your central nervous system and your heart. Uh, your heart is placed under a tremendous amount of pressure when your body does not have the nutrition it needs. And that's a very sad thing. Even to the point where the health issues are probably more widespread than we realize. Uh, one of the things that happens, especially to women, is that they lose their menstrual, their menstrual cycles, mm-hmm. um, which is a very bad sign for a woman. I mean, that means there's something tremendously wrong in your body that the normal function of your body is being directed to the main organs in, as opposed to t- those systems that need to normally work. Because having a child, all of that stuff is not necessary to life like your heart is. So those resources get reallocated. Right, and so it's a very big sign of a of a problem, mm-hmm. and I think that kind of gets dismissed sometimes in conversation about a disorder like this. But that's very important. That's one of the signs that that something is wrong. Mm-hmm. So it's. I mean, I, I would know. say I if find you're this to be very sad. If you are a woman and you stop having your period, mm-hmm. that that's normally cause for alarm. You might be pregnant. Yes. That might be a concern. Um, you might want right. to look into, but it also, if it's related to this, like where you're not mm-hmm. eating, it can totally be a byproduct of, of this disorder. And yeah. I, I want to point out because, well, you pointed it out, but I want to clarify it and make it a little, okay. I want to, I want to expound on it. Um, because bulimia, so anorexia is a restriction of food right. and then bulimia is where you intentionally eat and then you, mm-hmm purge afterwards where you vomit with anorexia you can purge there is a binge eating purging type within anorexia but as you mentioned it's they're not eating to purge they're eating because they were forced to and now they feel like they have to purge there is a difference um and i just wanted to note that yeah that's an important distinction because as we get into talking about bulimia of course, that's characterized by people eating large amounts of food. Mm-hmm. 
to the point of almost being ill just naturally and then forcing themselves to be ill so that they don't have they don't face the consequences of eating that much food. Right. Again, pretty secretive. You know, most people are not announcing that these behaviors are a part of their life. These are these are things that are very personal. Mm-hmm. And so it's they're while they're associated with one another, they are very different diagnosis because of the intention, as you mentioned. So yeah, the intention behind the action is is right. key. So let's let's talk about bulimia. Okay, bulimia nervosa is recurrent episodes of binge eating, and when we talk about binge eating, it is characterized by eating in a discrete period of time, normally within any two hour period. An, an amount of food that is definitely larger than what most individuals would eat in a similar period of time under similar circumstances. So they're not right. they're not just going and eating a meal. They're going and they're eating three meals. Right. Like there is a distinct difference here. And they're experiencing a sense of a lack of control overeating during those episodes like it's almost as if it's like an addiction like someone who has a gambling problem and can't stop or alcoholism where they're drinking and they can't stop that is what this person is experiencing they don't feel like they have control over their ability to only eat so much right and then as a result of this they will then purge as a way of making oftentimes guilt around how much they ate, but they are intentionally purging, vomiting with the intention of losing weight or losing whatever they just ate so that it doesn't make them gain weight. Yeah. And I think it's important here to also mention, it doesn't have to be just vomiting. The DSM also mentions uh, laxatives or anything that helps you expel from the body the food that you've, that you've taken in. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I mean, that's pretty extreme because, again, that does mean that your body then has to process what you've eaten. So I think typically the other is probably more prevalent mm-hmm. uh, for people as a behavior. I, I think you bring up a very good point, and, and maybe we should talk about that a little bit, okay. that need for control. Mm-hmm. That tends to be, as you mentioned, behavior for a lot of people with Beha- uh, with addictions of some kind. Yes. And this becomes an addiction. Mm-hmm. These kind of eating disorders are an addiction in some way or fashion. And a lot of times it is, it is a, it's a control thing. If you don't feel like you have control in your life, but you have this one thing that you can do, that kind of becomes your, your go-to or your resource for that feeling so that you feel okay for a few minutes. Again, kind of going back to the idea when we talked about obsessive compulsive disorder, and exercise. where you're doing something. Yes, I mean, well, okay, and exercise. And exercise, but like what I'm saying is, there's only a lot of times when people feel like their world, everything is out of control. They right. focus on what are the things that are in my control. One of my counseling exactly. lines I always used to give people, which is ironic that it's coming up now. But one of the <laughs> things I used to always say was, let's focus on what you can control rather right. than what you can't. And and when we look at this, eating disorders are often when that's taken to an extreme to where it's yes. there's these are the only things that I can control and they focus on that. It's the same thing with things like exercise when you see people mm-hmm. that are at the gym two or three times a week, I mean sorry, a day, uh, you know, it's it's because it's something that they can control. And it right. get, it makes them feel power. I mean it makes them feel yes. 
better. It makes them feel like they're in control. Like they, they can, I, I don't know another word for control. <laughs> makes them feel like they're in control. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But that's what they're seeking. That's what they want. Right. It, it's a small part of their life where they get the say so. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we have, you have people that feel as though they don't have any say-so in their own life. Um, maybe there's too many demands on their time. Maybe there's too many expectations, responsibilities that are put on them. Maybe they don't have the ability to say no, you know, to certain things. And then suddenly they're living under all of the stress and anxiety, and this becomes a coping mechanism. So again, as I said, it kind of goes back to several different things we've talked about, like uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, where they are they are continuing to go back to something that makes them feel better for a minute or two mm-hmm. or gives them some measure of control. And so we, I think at least for me anyway, the, the obvious thing about eating disorders is that, Oh, this is all about food, but I don't think it is. No, it's not all about food. It's not That's about just how it manifests. Right. Just like how exercise is typically not always about exercise. It's there's right. other things going on right. here. And you, that's, if we start looking at treatments, like that's what you really have to look at. I mean, yes, we have to focus on food in regards to we have to keep people healthy, right? We have to, like, if they're mm-hmm. anorexic, if they're dealing with a diagnosis of anorexic, well, I can't talk, dealing with a diagnosis <laughs> of anorexia. Yeah. One of the main things we're going to focus on from a healthcare perspective is we're going to get all their vitals back to normal. But right. in order to really take steps forward and actually move, past this to where one can overcome, you have got to look at those underlying issues. And oftentimes it's not food at all. Yeah. Again, it just becomes, it becomes the vehicle, so to speak. And so it's, it's interesting. So let's, so let's talk a little bit about treatment then, as far as we've identified these different types of Mm -hmm. eating disorders how does one go about treating them? How do, how do you do that? You're a mental health professional. You work in counseling. So what what are the what are the go tos? Well, the first thing, as I mentioned first and foremost, is you've got to get the health back, though. Like if you like, you really can't focus on the mental health and that kind of thing until the person right. has stabilized, right? Right. So there needs to be a focus on regaining weight to a healthy level or losing weight to a healthy level. Right. And then decreasing that purging and the binge eating. Well, sorry, decreasing the amount of binges that are happening on either end, uh, anorexia or bulimia. But then really when you're looking at psychotherapy, from a counselor's perspective, the thing that we really want to focus on is understanding the thoughts, emotions, and behaviors that trigger those episodes. Because typically, there is a trigger involved. There is medication that can help with some of these things. And I would be remiss to to say that, but I'm not a pill pusher. I'm, I'm, I'm not. So I really do think that talking this out is is your best bet now in regards to specific treatment approaches like specific therapies i'm not that well educated but i do know that you've got to start talking and you've got to start looking at what is triggering the binges right and that makes sense i mean anytime we can come back to the the foundational issue that's probably going to be the best place to start Mm -hmm. otherwise you're just slapping a band-aid on a symptom um But but again, valid point that you have to bring somebody back into a position of 
good health physically before you can start working on the mental issues that may be behind those detrimental behaviors. Right. So, and I think that's true for almost everything within the mental health field. It is. You yeah. normally, and even from like a healthcare insurance perspective, like there's always Mm -hmm. a primary diagnosis. So for example, a person could go into the hospital who is suicidal and has an eating disorder. Okay. Right. Which which treatment are you going to focus on first? Well, we're going to make the eating disorder primary because until we can get the vitals up, until we can get this person to stabilize, we, we're not going to have any headway with the mental health. Normally, physical issues go first. Now, I understand that eating disorder is a mental health disorder, but it's right. impacting the physical health to a very severe degree. And again, we, we're going to put the person on suicide precautions and all of that all of those things. Okay, I was going to say. You're going to have all of those. I was going to say, that seemed like it should have been priority to me, but well, that may just be if there have, was already. You're going to have, you know, suicide precautions and all of those things, but they're not going to be in suicide groups right away. Right. We're going to, we've got to get their vitals up first. We've got to stabilize right. the client. I, I have one of my children that is trained as an EMT mm-hmm. and that kind of goes along with something she said. She said, if you come a con- you know, if you're called to an accident and somebody's bleeding and they're not breathing, which one are you going to do- deal with first? Well, you're going to deal with breathing first because that's most obvious and right. then you're going to get the, ble- the bleeding under control. Correct. Um, so yeah, there is a, an order of dealing with things in emergent, in, when it becomes very emergent like that. And so that, that remains to be seen on a case by case basis, but. That makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, all right. Any others that you wanted to talk about, or well, I mean, because yeah, we kind of jumped ahead to we did, treatments, and but- I want to. And I'm looking here at the DSM, and I'm I really can't figure out the difference. <laughs> Are you talking about the binge eating disorder? Yeah, it literally yeah. <laughs> has the same definition as bulimia. I know. I, I again, sometimes the DSM does not make sense to me. I'm, I'm not sure how they're like, differentiating. And I'm like, I don't. How is this different? Um, I guess it does say it has to be binge eating has to be a so okay. In talking about binge eating, it's essentially everything we've talked about in regards to bulimia, right? Mm-hmm. So it's eating right. more than you normally would. It's f- having that sense of a lack of control. But then the DSM mm-hmm. does clarify and say that these episodes have to be associated with at least three or more of the following: eating much more rapidly than normal, mm. eating until feeling uncomfortably full. Eating large amount of large amounts of food when not feeling physically hungry, eating alone because of being embarrassed by how much one is eating, and five feeling disgusted with oneself, depressed, or very guilty afterwards. So, is the difference then that binge eating disorder, as you said, this says it t- it's associated with three or more of these of these things that you just read? Mm-hmm. Is is uh, bulimia separate from that, and that you don't have to have a certain number of those kind of behaviors? Or correct? Okay. I mean, that's not according to the DSM. So this apparent. Forgive me if I'm wrong here, if I'm misspeaking, but does this that make this a much more serious disorder than bulimia? Because it's more, it's I got more associated with it. I don't think that there's one that's you know, more severe. You can't put than, that differentiation. On. I, okay. No, I wouldn't. Okay. But but let's talk about this because if you'll even look down at the specifiers here, right between yeah, I saw that between bulimia and binge eating, literally the numbers are the same. Yeah, I saw that. The the, the, the exact same. 
So I, I think when we're looking at binge eating, there's not this, what I don't see so much here is the, the need to try to then lose the weight. Mm. So I don't, with binge eating, there's no purging. There's okay. no diuretics. Oh, okay, that's a good distinction. There's yeah, that's a good no distinction. exercising. They're binge. It's just like a binge drinker. Like, okay. you know, someone, they go on binges, right? They'll have a weekend right. where they drink a ton. If you're looking at binge eating disorder, we're talking about food. The difference is when it's bulimia, there's you're trying to compensate inappropriately afterwards right. in some way. That's no, I think that's a good distinction with, with bulimia. You are, there's some, there's some form of getting rid of what you've partaken of. Right. And this is just about the partaking. Correct. Yeah. Okay. That, that is a good distinction. Now that, that makes more sense to me mm-hmm. um, as opposed to trying to find the difference between them before. Cause I was like, they look a lot alike. I think the other one that we had here, and I kind of laughed about this one the other day, was the other specified feeding or eating disorder. It's kind of just a throw-all category. Yeah. Anything that doesn't fit anywhere else, we'll, we'll throw it in there. There's technically two of them. There is other, other specified feeding or eating disorder, and then there's yes, also right. unspecified feeding or eating disorder. Now, <laughs> the difference between other specified and unspecified... Unspecified... <laughs> We just we have little categories. We can throw things that don't necessarily meet the criteria for other diagnoses, but are still clinically significant. So we need like these NOS categories, like these not otherwise specified, so that we can at least diagnose when we need to. So I that we if can. That comes take down steps. to like insurance stuff. Do you it, think one hundred percent? It has to. It, well, 100%. Like, oh, we won't pay for this, but we'll pay for that. So Correct. it's unspecified versus specified. Correct. Oh, okay. Because if you don't have a certain diag, because. Within insurance companies, you have to have a certain diagnosis for certain types of treatment. And if you don't like, for example, you could be in very, very bad shape and not meet the criteria for the diagnosis Mm -hmm. that you're there for, but you still need, you still need assistance. And if you meet it clinically based upon the insurance plan, you still can get the service even if you have a diagnosis that's not specific. As long as it's within the category, you're good. Yeah, I knew that had to be a part of it. That just makes sense because uh, mm-hmm. I think insurance companies have a tendency to make things a little more complicated as it no. pertains to, you know, picking up the bill. So <laughs> Never. You say that so scoffingly. I work for one, so I work for <laughs> I one. know you do. <laughs> That's why I was trying to be nice about it. <laughs> In fact, the insurance company I work for is a specialized behavioral health care insurance company. So we don't even typically, ah. de- we don't deal anything with physical health occasionally mm. with dementia but like mm. by and large all we do is is uh the mental health side so okay. yeah mm-hmm. well that's good though i think that's actually probably a good thing because yeah. it allows you to specify you know to specialize basically mm-hmm. instead of having these very broad ranges of things that you have to worry about trying to diagnose or understand right so that's not a bad thing yes, but. we we don't handle much of the health i mean much of the physical health but I right. let's talk a little bit more um, about the treatment. And, and just to kind of note, I think that therapy is huge after stabilization. So first right. stabilize and then therapy. And when you start looking at the therapy, the key here is to find the trigger. because right. And which very well could be body dysmorphia. It might not sure. be. It might not be. It might be something else. Right. But it. It's probably something in relationship to image and appearance. Yeah, I would think so. 
but not always. It can be around not about appearance at all, and it can be solely control. But, right. You know, this is pretty specific. So I would think so. <laughs> yeah. Well, how do you feel, Michelle? How do you feel about this? Uh, I well, I mean, I think we've talked about all of them. Mm-hmm. Like we said, that you know, the bigger ones are more obviously more mainstream in their discussion of, but these other ones actually. You know, there's a good amount of things there to learn. If you're so inclined to sit down and read the DSM, there's plenty for you to learn there. (laughs) Yes. Be careful. It's just like WebMD. Once you start reading, you're going to diagnose yourself. Everything. Michelle Michelle (laughs) didn't even follow the DSM. She Googled it, found a diagnosis that's not even in the DSM, and identified Uh, with uh, it. So, you know, there's... There's a diagnosis. Well, for because everyone. aren't we all afraid that we're there's something wrong with us? I oh, mean, absolutely. We all are. Absolutely. Everybody has these foibles. And so. I would encourage um, you, if you're not a mental health professional, I I will discourage you from reading the DSM. There's there's really yeah. no reason for <laughs> yeah, you to for do sure. so, <laughs> and it's only going to cause you to become really anxious about yourself and there's no need and there's no need to do that you do not want to become michelle where you have to like hide food and go to the gym four times a day shut up always giving me shit it's so much fun Ah, i know but i'm not but i'm not yelling at you so it's all good oh you're doing the smile on your face so that makes it okay is that what you're telling me it does here. Okay, I'm gonna rem- I'm gonna remember that. You can throw some stuff at me. I don't care. I was gonna say the next time I want to say something shitty to you, I'm just gonna smile while I say it, and then that makes it all good. Oh, shut <laughs> up, everybody! Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you have found this fun, if you found this interesting, if you found this educational, please feel free to look us up. And I just said fun, yes. and that was not the right adjective. I know. What maybe I kind of chuckle a little. I know, and I saw it. <laughs> what I meant to say. <laughs> Is if you enjoyed this episode, we do try to make this fun um, and we try to laugh our way through it, but this is a pretty serious yeah. discussion. And so, yeah. um, if well, you, it's hard to have serious discussions and be serious all the time. You kind of have to bring some levity into it, I think. Right. Listeners, if you make only could have heard the conversation we had before <laughs> we pressed record, <laughs> if only you could be a fly on the wall. Oh, my goodness. How- Seth, leaves, Seth leaves the microphone on because he's hoping for some kind of bonus material, and that was definitely not bonus material. No, that's. <laughs> XXX material. We're going to we're gonna wrap this episode up though, and I want to encourage you to please check out um, our stuff if you haven't. Uh, we've got a Facebook page, we've got a Facebook group, we've got a Patreon that gets bonus content. We also have with the Patreon comes a private Marco Polo group where you can talk directly to Michelle and I. We try to keep that lively and have some good conversations in there. And then also you can you can actually buy mental merch if you were thus inclined. That's right. Um, it is at storefrontier.com backslash FTG network. Uh, we do have mental uh, merch on there, but you'll also see a lot of other fade to gray network merchandise on there as well. I would just like to point out one thing that's on there. I actually own this. Mm-hmm. I have a mug that has your picture on it. Mm-hmm. And what does it say? Why are you doing this? <laughs> I, oh, it's my turn to give you shit, but I have a smile on my face, oh, so it's good, right? Okay. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't it's not on them. It's not on there, is it? Oh, they took it off. Well, they sent me one. I have one and it says poor Seth on it. 
when did they sent you did i didn't know they, they sent, sent you me one, one. just sent randomly or did you ask for no one? uh it was right after the conference this last year oh. and i did that episode of movies that mold me mm-hmm. with them and they're like oh we should give you something for that so they sent me a poor seth mug oh. it has your picture on it <laughs> that was before I, I thought it was i thought it was still on the on the website no. i don't yeah, think it was so. before we started it was, it was started, before we started, started working together Yep. Yeah. So, yes, I I don't think that there's any uh, mugs on uh, Store Frontier because I think they pretty much only sell shirts and hats Uh, and things. Okay. But I will note that there is a Fade Gray Network uh, sweatshirt up there that's got my face face on on the back of it. Yeah. Yeah. See, I would get one of those, except then I'd have to have all those other people's faces on me too and no this is i like them they're nice people this is specifically a poor seth one oh it is yes they They have have poor seth they have they Uh have a sweatshirt that's got fade gray network and then on the back it's picture of me where i look obese with a picture that says hi you know asterisk or whatever the hashtag that's mean poor seth I am the only one that say I look obese. I just don't like a cartoon picture of me. You say that? I do. What the hell, Seth? I know. You are thin. What are you talking about? I just, because when you take my face and then you blow it up past what it's supposed to be and post it onto a (laughs) shirt, it doesn't look right. That's all I'm meaning. That's the only thing I mean. It's just distorted then. It's distorted. It's distorted. Okay, let's get out of here. Makes me look heavy. <laughs> I don't like it. So anyways, guys, check us out. If you enjoyed this, know that these episodes, if you're listening on the Podbean account, please, the, just the mental page, please know that we are on the Fade Degree Network. You can find a bunch of other podcasts there. And then also, I'm asking you guys for help on this and no one's doing it. So I, it's kind of no. silly. But if you guys could please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app with a comment, it would really help us out. Anything else you'd add, Michelle? Nope, that's it. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week. (laughs) Next time.